Should I pull up the Wikipedia article right now? Yeah. Okay. And should we do like a intro? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's the name of our podcast? I think just because we don't have a name right now, we should go with Bottom of the Bin. We'll come up with something better later. Okay. The Bottom of the Bin. Bottom of the Bin. Dude, it's all over the news apparently that Ezra Miller choked a woman in Reykjavik in this video. What the frick? I keep seeing articles about it. It's like the plot of Bojack, that one episode, remember that? <laughs> oh, wait, maybe we didn't get there yet. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, shit, I'm sorry. Well, introduce yourself. Welcome to our podcast. This is Bottom of the Bin with... Caleb Persick. And Anthony Brush. We're going to watch films of relatively low quality, in yeah. our opinions. Um, and then we're just going to talk about them. Yeah. Mostly in anger. Yeah, a lot of anger and frustration. Right. Because we feel the need to let you know that something's bad. Right, yeah, because we're far more qualified than yeah. anyone else and plus, listening to the podcast. I mean, yeah, no one else has yeah. a good podcast right now, so we thought maybe we'd fill the void. Yeah. There's not a lot of podcasts. Uh, about so. movies at all. No. Yeah, it just and in general, it's right. kind of a dying yeah, art. There's not room. enough podcasts right now, so yeah. we thought we'd add to the add to the pond. Yeah, so it should be worth your time and right. ours. Yeah. Plus, there's also a lot of extra time in general for everybody. Yeah. Because we're all stuck at home, and all we can watch is terrible Netflix movies, right? So we might as well be productive about it. And there's lots of them to watch. Right. So many. Like new plenty. ones get released every week. And we'll never run out of terrible movies. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars on them, so yeah, very excited. So to start this this week, you're gonna have to push those over because you keep hitting the hangers and they're gonna oh. make noise. Problem is, there's a nut. You know oh. what I'm saying? I'm just gonna not move. <laughs> okay, that's one way to do it. Uh, so the first film that we watch for this podcast, this week's film, <laughs> is the 2019 Michael Bay directed. Action film. Is it an action Six film? Is that underground. What it is? Six Underground. If you underground. look on Wikipedia, it says action thriller. Wikipedia, which is just as qualified as we are to hey, talk can, about this. Can movie. you edit this page? Oh, you can. I can. Change edit it to this a romantic page. comedy. Okay. Um, am I allowed to do that? Yeah, dude, you're allowed to do whatever. It's Wikipedia. I've never done this. They're gonna before. change it right after you change it, but. I mean, I'm ready, dude. Where is? I it? used to. Ch- it says action thriller right there. It's definitely a romantic comedy, though. I mean, like, the amount of romance and comedy in that movie. Yeah. If just having sex is romance, then yeah. They're not making love. They're fucking. They were very clear about that. Yeah, they made that very clear. Um, but, like, vaguely foreign guy was not really... That's not where he was, you know? He yeah. Really, he, like, loved this random French woman that we know nothing about. Yeah, because she's, like, blonde, and we get a lot of close-ups of her face. Right. I think that's why we care about her. It's a romantic comedy film. I'm going to screenshot this so we can add it to, like, the extras, the documents. That's a good idea. I guarantee you within the next six hours it's going to be changed back, but... Definitely, but for our early viewers, maybe just every week I'll go back and go Go to Six Underground's uh, Wikipedia page, see if it's a romantic comedy... If it is, that's that's Anthony's handiwork. That's mine, yeah. Which is, it's honestly more accurate. Like, it's not really an action movie. Because, 
I mean, I guess there's a lot of moving, but you don't really see any of it. <laughs> there's violence. Yeah, there's definitely Is violence that... of diff- varying scales. Should we just, where are we starting with this? Are I we think gonna, what we should. What's the structure of this So podcast? the first structure is we're going to go through the plot uh, as we remember it. Yeah, individually. Um, no I, I'm not, I can't read okay. that far away or at all. <laughs> so here's the, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read you what we believe the plot of this film was. Uh, the issue is I gave up writing the plot halfway through because there's just things that happen in this movie. I mean, they gave up halfway through also. <laughs> I don't, they gave up way sooner than halfway. <laughs> they gave up in pre-pro, my man. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so we're just going to go back and forth with this a little bit, um, see if we can fill in each other's gaps, Yeah. and then the entire half of the film you can fill in. Do you want um, me to start, or you want, are you going to start? Um... I think you should start. I can start. Okay. Uh, so this is what I have written down. Uh, the start of this film is Ryan Reynolds is flying a plane and fakes his death. That. Yeah, he fakes his death. Right. He's like flying a Red Bull plane so that they can afford <laughs> to, to make, make this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, then we flash forward. Well, there's like some like shots of like planes in the desert and there's like a hideout and then he does this voiceover that's like, being dead is freedom and not having a family is great. And loneliness is beautiful. Except for that was better. <laughs> then, yeah, then we flash good. forward to this very long, exhausting Italian car chase. Uh, with a hideous green car. Yeah, God. Just, like, they could have picked anything for that, you know? Um, <clears throat> and Dave Franco's driving. Dave Franco is driving the car. Right. Uh, Which is irrelevant to the rest of the movie. Yes. And so, some smashy things happen. Cars and, like, explosions... Um, some talk of penises happens. Yeah, like, more than you want or need yeah. ever. Um, then the woman in the back seat's, like, injured, and there's another woman in the back seat, but we don't really know what they're doing. The one's helping the other, I guess. The one is, there's a doctor. So there's one, she's a, she's a Hispanic, and she's helping the is French woman. Is that what she is? I think so. Okay. I mean, she's the doctor. Yeah. And she's, which one is she? I, I think she's five, right? Maybe. Two is the the blonde French woman. Okay, yeah. To be clear, in this movie, each character, there's seven characters, yeah, which gonna... is referencing the six underground. Okay, yeah. Okay, this is going to be very confusing. So Ryan Reynolds is number one. Right, yeah. He's the billionaire. He, that's, they call him the billionaire with a big title card. But they didn't tell us this at this point in the movie, so we right. shouldn't tell you. Right, right, right. You're probably right. So... This is about when we started to learn what the characters' yeah. numbers and names are. Yeah, they do these really horrible, like, After Effects graphics. Oh, my like, <laughs> on the screen, yeah, and you're like, <laughs> Anyway, so there's the French woman, and she's just, like, mysterious in French. I think she's called the Assassin, and I think she's two, but I'm not positive She is that. two. She is I know two. that she's two. Okay, yeah. So Ryan Reynolds is one, and he's just rich. And she's that woman... And she's, like, a badass who, like, kills people. Right, yeah. Um, anyway, Ryan Reynolds has an eyeball... Uh, that so yeah they at this point they flash back in time 17 minutes uh, to them interrogating this guy and they're like give us some information on these bad people and it's implied that she rips the not well they say it she rips the eye out of the person so they can unlock a phone I think so yes Um, so they're driving around and there's like shooting at them and things and then they'll be introduced to the which the British guy who just jumps in parkours. They call him the Skywalker. Yeah, which and is... I'm almost positive that he's four, 
But like I said, the six underground references six people, but there's seven characters with numbers. Yeah. So it's really confusing. We'll get to that. So, so basically... Um, oh, we should probably tell them that this is going to be really spoilery. Oh, yeah. That's pretty at this implied point, at this point. But it doesn't matter. We're more saving you time. We told you we were going to go through the whole plot. Yeah, we told you that. So, so we'll make that more clear in the future. We will. Yeah. Um, where were we? So... They're this, driving around. Yeah, and there's the Skywalker. So this right. is a big... The first issue is he's on top of, like, the Sistine Chapel, which I don't think... Because it's not in... It's in Florence that this is, right? I, I don't... I mean, it's just... Where's David? The statue of David. I know, but I don't I don't think that they give a... Yeah, you're, a you're right. ...flying yeah. toot about the is geography. Is language in this podcast? I, I haven't decided. I've been censoring this. I already said fuck, like, three times. Okay, then we will use language as appropriate. Okay. Um, We'll let them tell us whether or this, not it's over the This top. movie uses a lot of language. Yeah. But it sounds like 14-year-olds using right, language. yeah. It's like, like, hey, man, fuck! And it's like, <laughs> okay, but... Like, you know when people use the word... The, they use fuck as a noun, but, like, not not in a cool way. Not in a way that rolls off the tongue. Just, like, they use it as a noun in, like, a... Wow, that doesn't need to be there kind of way, you know? It's just... It's it just doesn't work. It's no, it it's doesn't. not like Samuel L. Jackson when he says a bad word, you're like, Ooh, that kinda made me a little happy in different parts of my yeah. anatomy. But when they <laughs> swear in this movie, it's just like it's such oh, a fuck. disaster. Dude. And I'm like, okay, this like every Anyway, so this is my first not my first, but there's a big problem. So the, there's a guy he's like the Skywalker dude who's British. That's his character. Yeah. Everyone's character in this movie is just their ethnicity. They don't get any deeper than that. Right, yeah. And, like, this weird, like, short one-liner of, like, what they are. Like, yeah. like Ryan Reynolds is the billionaire. That's that's literally his whole character is just that he's rich. And I'm not really sure when they tell you this, but he's rich because of magnets. Magnets, right. He is uses magnet technology. He apparently was just, like, really into magnets when he was a kid. And he made billions of dollars with magnets right magnets and that'll come into play later in a, in a very confusing way but we'll get there yeah like like i said i have no idea when um this happened yeah i don't remember it i was, don't remember when they told us this information uh, like, so this this movie has no linear structure not at all um, like man and it's it's like a movie doesn't have to be linear but it has it to be clear it has to make sense of yeah. why it's not linear yeah it has to be like at least clear when it's not present day and they they tried really hard by making these big title cards and like sometimes the title card said the past and sometimes it said four years ago and then sometimes sometimes, it would say a year like 2017 at one point yeah it's just the the structure of timeline is just so inconsistent you never know what where you are or when you are and that's a problem because you can have there has to be a reason for the structure in this movie, and there is no reason for the structure. Right, yeah. If they told this movie, like, completely linearly, the story wouldn't be different. It would just be slightly less confusing and probably equally as bad. Yeah, and that's just, like, not a good look. So, like, like the, why did they do that? Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of my biggest pet peeves. So, let, I guess we should get this this Italy scene out of the way. Yeah, so, but the, the, he's on top of, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where the Skywalker dude is standing on a building, and we never know why. Why is he there? What he's is he doing? He's never up there. Like, okay. there's, ne- there's never a purpose of him being up there. He just is up there. He's on top of a building so he can run down the building. That's the point. Yeah. And so he runs and does his parkour thing, and when is the, the car chase 
keeps going for like an, 20 minutes. Yeah. And it finally ends after explosions and nuns giving the finger and there's like a rubber duck on the street in one scene for I some reason. this is a good place to also mention that like this movie's like level of violence is so inconsistent. Like oh, yeah. they're, they're like literally hitting people with cars and they're like they're exploding yeah. and it's like gory and like we've seen the eyeball and all of that. But like sometimes the people get hit with the car and there's like no blood at all. Yeah, so... There's one, there's some scenes where, like, someone will get hit slow motion and their teeth will fly out of their mouth or their, like, their head will explode. Yeah. And then there's other scenes, like, there's one scene in the end where the British guy is being punched repeatedly in the face and zero blood is drawn yeah. and his face is not bruised whatsoever. Yeah, it's like, there, like, sometimes it's like, it's like Avengers Marvel level violence, like, where it's just like people get hit and punched and they're fine. Mostly. And then there's another scene where a man's head explodes yeah, like, and we see it. explodes it. and we see, like, the, the gross like meaty remains of that and like so so the the movie just doesn't know what kind of violence it wants you know it doesn't it doesn't okay so it ends with spoiler dave franco dies this is literally still in the first 20 minutes yeah so he's still in the car dave franco is only ever in the car and he gets skewered through the chest by a forklift with a forklift because he like just forgot to drive again inconsistent violence we just like He's brutally murdered by this, like, forklift. Yeah, like, where's all the blood? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Just choose whether you're going to blood or not, okay? So, like, so we get to the end of this 20 minutes, right? Yeah. And, like, that that whole scene, that whole car chase, there's, it has no relevance to the story whatsoever. Like, none at all. Aside from from Dave Franco dying, I guess. And I think the data they got from the dude and with the eyeball is important somehow, but I don't remember why. never tell you why. Ever. They might have told us, and we just don't know. There's so much going on. In yeah, this there's scene. so much. I mean, like if the, that's not what the movie cares about. The movie yeah. cares about showing you another car flip over, and then Michael Bay's stupid like sparky, sparky explosions. explosions. Like, why do but they have to be so like sparky? Fireworks. Dude. No matter what explodes <laughs> in a Michael Bay film, it's always the same. Like you're at a football game. You know what What's I mean? That one you were you mentioned a movie shot that like. Something landed on like dirt and sparked yes. for no reason. It in was Transformers like, Four, oh, a, a electronic dinosaur steps out and his foot hits dirt and sparks fly. It's like why? Like it's like okay, even if he was like trying to make a stylistic choice, like that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like it's just so inconsistent. You know what I mean? Because we're going like he's going like we're really realistic and like people like when they when they get hurt there's blood and people's like arms break and like it's rough and brutal but then there's just like this stupid like the stupidity of the explosions and there's this dude who flies off a car into a backhoe and he just lands on the ground yeah and he's fine it's like what just like there's like so tone deaf and honestly that's just a preface for the rest of this whole scene which again has no relevance to the movie whatsoever. Even Dave Franco, who is like number six, so the, the movie's called Six Underground. So there's there's six of them, and that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And the sixth guy, Dave Franco, he's gone in the first twenty minutes of this two hour movie. And then there's a seventh character that's coming to be he's added. Coming. He, All right, let's get to the next yet. scene after the whole Italian car chase where they just try to destroy art. And a woman with a baby is hit in the face with a pigeon in slow mo. Yeah, that was That's super not weird. tasteful. Not at all. I don't like that. Oh, also the humor in that scene. It just tells you how the humor is going to be for the rest of the movie. The humor in this movie is not humor. It's just... It's, p- it's people pe- saying things 
to each other. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mix of pop culture references and and penis jokes and weird and like, quippy one liners that, that are not good and they're delivered in that Ryan Reynolds way, whether yeah. Ryan Reynolds is saying it or not. You know? Yeah, everyone is Ryan Reynolds in this movie. Yeah, if really. Ryan Reynolds played every single character, the movie would be the same. You know, it'd be better though, dude. Oh, the sex scene where he right. bangs himself. Dude, yes, <laughs> that would be so good. Okay, so the next scene, they're on a boat and it's like it's like at yeah, most of this movie is at Golden Hour. You notice that? Or just, and so they're on this boat and they're talking about Dave Franco's dad and they're like, what was his family? And the one guy's like, we were. And I was like. Which again, is just counter to itself because like, because Ryan Reynolds was saying that family doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. And then Ryan Reynolds was like, I hate the word family. And yeah, or so, someone says that he says that I don't remember. But then it then it dives into his backstory right yeah, from there, right? I think that's where it goes. Now after they're on a boat and they're just like, Dave Franco's dead. They go back in time and they show why Ryan Reynolds is doing what he does. Yeah. And he's in a fictional country called Turgistan, and he's basically just being Tony Stark, being like, I'm rich. Take pictures of me with children. Yeah. And then the place gets like bombed. And he's like trying to save people in khakis, and it wasn't. Yeah, it's like that that weird like, I don't know. It's just such a played out role, you know what I mean? Okay, and so that shows like, oh man, I should do something with my magnet money, which magnet money would have been a better name for this movie. Magnet money, dude. Okay, right. So, is that what happens or no? I don't know, man. Okay, just, uh, like, and so... then I think from there it goes to the backstory of the seventh guy. So the black guy with all this hot... I don't know his oh, name. Oh, right. So... Okay, so so there's this this sniper, and, like, they, they're, they're like, down a guy now, so they need another guy, but he's going to be seven, even though this movie is six underground, and I just can't stress how yeah, much Yeah, you that can't get over me. that point with the numbers. It's just, like, there's so many numbers in this movie. So, like, so from here on, like, the plot progresses in a really non-linear way, and every, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes there's a title card that has a number of one of the characters so like for ryan reynolds character one appears on the screen and then we're seeing ryan reynolds backstory of like why he's here and like so there's so there's those numbers then there's like the numbers of like they, they talk about like these steps in the main like present plot so like yeah and that's there's just like too many things happening at one time and honestly like the, my biggest pet peeve of the whole movie is just like they they really are sticking to this number thing, but then they they don't care about it at the end. Like they do four of the six backstories, I guess four of the seven backstories, right? Yeah. Like they, they there's those title cards appear only four times. It's one, two, three, and four, and then five is the doctor, that random Hispanic woman. Yeah, we don't know we, anything we don't know about anything her character. About that character, they the movie, never go into her backstory. The movie cares about her because she has a a butt. Yeah. That is why the movie cares. Oh my gosh, that's another thing. This movie is so sexist. Just like, every time a woman is on screen, they do like a full body scan of them. And it's just like, what, Michael, like, where are you getting this? Like, where is this, where, where is the ideas for these coming from? Like, like what, what kind of things are you watching beforehand to be inspired for these movies? And you know what it is, so though. Tasteless. He used to shoot Victoria's Secret ads. That's what it is. This whole movie is just He's, a Victoria's Secret He ad. started out in commercials. And despite the fact he makes feature-length commercials now, he never went on. He never moved on. His movies are commercials for Ryan the American Reynolds military, uh, female bodies, 
And, oh, yeah, the gym. Ryan Reynolds' gym. Ryan Reynolds' gym. That's a whole ad for just Ryan Reynolds' Okay, gym. so that scene, we'll just talk about that scene. I don't know when it takes place. He, after he's, like, seeing all the people getting murdered in Turkestan, fake country, by the way. Cool flag. I like the flag they designed for the movie. Yeah, actually, it's everywhere. best part of the movie I was the like, flag for gosh, it. can we give the production designer an award for that flag? Because it's not, I had the crescent moon on there, but it was missing, like, the star. I don't know why they did that. Anyway... He's in France, like, watching some theater, and the dictator of Turkestan is there. And he, first of all, he goes to the bar, and he starts this conversation, and then we have a whole shot of Ryan Reynolds' gin. And the only reason I know that's Ryan Reynolds' gin is because Ryan Reynolds uses his Instagram to exclusively advertise his gin, which I, I can't afford that gin, Ryan. Yeah, and, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just really tasteless, you know it what I mean? It is tasteless. Like, on top of all of the tastelessness of the movie. Honestly, it's, it's such a small issue, but it's just magnified by how bad the rest of the movie is. And so, then he has this conversation with the dictator of Turkestan, which is supposed to be, like, metaphorical, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where they're supposed to be talking about one thing and talking about another, and it's, there's no subtext. It's just like, you're bad and I don't like you and you're going to get beaten in the end. And he's like, I, I'm not going to get beaten in the end, even though I think they both read the play. Mm-hmm. They're watching the play. I don't know. But then Ryan Reynolds like says something to the waitress and then they have sex. Just like really aggressive sex too. Like and it's like they're they're in like some they're in like a palace or something. And yeah. What's dick jokes involved in the sex? It's just like it's so just like what? It's just like like it's very tone deaf to like the whole movie. It's just like so tone deaf and it's just I like I I don't have a problem with sex scenes in movies, but just like needless, you know what I mean? It's just, like not motivated by anything. It doesn't help. And it what doesn't is it, help his what character. What is it telling me? It's, it tells us nothing. It's just like it just it really feels like. I mean, this sounds this is like I don't know really progressive of me, I guess, but like it just sounds like so male gazy when you when you see it. Oh, Michael Bay is it's the male just gaze. so male gazy. It's just like it's like this. There's no purpose to this whatsoever, other than he just wanted the selling power of this woman's body, and that just it feels gross while you're watching it. It's just like, I just don't like it, man. It's just it's so it's it, and it doesn't it doesn't add anything to the movie, and it's very counter to Ryan Reynolds' character. Like, they're trying to show us that, that Ryan Reynolds is, like, he, like, doesn't care about family and he cares more about this whole thing. And but he wants to be distant from everyone. He wants everyone not to get close, so they have to have numbers for names. Right. And then, but now we're seeing, like, the backstory, which is fine. It could have reinforced his character. But, like, the the the, the point in the movie when they show it, it's just very counter to what they're trying to tell us in the in the main narrative, which is also nothing but, like, just I don't know. There's just no consistency in what they're trying to tell us. My theory I mean? is, and we're not even we've not even talked about the main plot of this movie yet. Exactly because the movie doesn't talk about his main plot until 43 minutes in, and he says it like out loud directly. He just goes like 43 minutes in. They're like, now you're caught up. Like Wait. Ryan Reynolds says that as a voiceover over a title screen that says the present, and just like, man, in your two-hour movie. If your character ever has to say, now you're caught up, and it's not in the first five minutes, then, like... It's it's just just, exhausting. It's an exhausting film to watch, Okay, we need to get Seven out of the way. So they meet Seven, and Seven's whole deal is that he was in, like, the Middle East in a conflict, and he saw a bad guy, and he didn't get the permission to shoot the bad guy, and then the bad guy murdered everyone and all his friends. And now he's got PTSD, and he wants to shoot himself. And Ryan Reynolds shows up, and he's like, hey, 
I'll always let you pull the trigger, which remember that because <laughs> it comes, it's, back, comes later. back later, which means this movie is planting seeds. This is good writing. Anyway. It's terrible writing. And so now Seven is part of the crew and they use Seven as like your window into everything. So they have a meeting at a restaurant, all the whole team's there. And they're all talking about how great it is to be dead because, like, immigration isn't a thing and stuff. Which is it's just, you're trying really hard. It's just, you're trying really hard. And then they explain the plot of the movie right there. He says, okay, so Turdistan is bad because there's a dictator who's bad. So we kill the dictator and his four generals and we put his nice brother in charge. And then geopolitical issues vanish. This is another place where they start using numbers again. And oh, like, yeah. the, he, he's like, he's like, so there's three steps and the, the movie is trying really hard to communicate that there's going to be three steps that happen. And again, this is still all like before all of the backstory, except for one's backstory. So like, you're never sure when those title cards appear. It's like, are they talking about like the character or are they talking about the step that they talked about? Or are they talking about time? Or are they talking about time? Right. So they, so there was like, he's like, yeah, there's three steps that we have to do. And it was like, we have to destroy the dictator. Dude, we got to get the generals. Got to get the generals. Then we got to get the brother. And then yeah. we have to get the dictator. Yes. Right. So those are basically just three fictional set pieces. Middle Asian country. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we could just talk about the set pieces. But then there's also, they fit there. They fill in. I don't understand. What's the, what's the one where it says two, right? And then it's the French girl in the desert. Sorry, woman, French woman in the desert. And she, like, does some killing. I didn't understand that at all. Well, I think, like, again, I think the structure they were that was intended was that, like, there's supposed to be backstory. And I think they were trying to say that, like, to the assassin French woman from Inglorious Bastards was, like, she had some previous experience with the brother of this dictator. So she, like, maybe knew where he was or something like that. And he ended up being in Hong Kong for some reason, which didn't make sense. So there, we, like, we're jumping around in time and in space. We've been in like fifteen different countries up to this point, and it's it's gone back seventeen minutes. It's gone back five years. It's gone forward two years. It's just like we don't know where or when we are in this story at this point. And and we're only forty five minutes in the movie at this point. Like so, it's just like I think I don't even know I don't for even that know. far. So. <laughs> Let's just get that. So she has a she's her backstory is that she's an assassin. That's it. Then we get Hector, uh, who's I don't remember his number. The Hispanic man. He's three, I think. He's three. Yeah. Okay. His backstory I is that he's my, a hitman. Yeah. And, and that's, that's literally it. That's just his, like his whole backstory is that he and his mother has dementia. Oh yeah. And Does Ryan Reynolds is upset because he's talking to. I think she has Alzheimer's. Gotcha. She like can't. She's that makes more sense now that I think about it. I thought that he was just going to visit his mother and she just didn't understand what he was doing with his life or something like that. Here's my big problem with that scene is that he can't pronounce Turgistan. I just think that Hispanic people can say words. I don't even know if he's Hispanic though. He's like so vaguely ethnic. You know what I mean? I, th I don't know what ethnicity he's supposed to be. He like looks really Italian to me. Yeah, but he's like, when they're in Italy, he's reading a learning Italian book. That's the only way I knew he wasn't Italian, is he was, like, trying to learn Italian. Oh, man. That brings up the, the issue of the, the languages, too, man. Yeah, that's another thing. So, we're jumping all over the place, but I don't care. The languages in this movie are very inconsistent, because at certain points, people will speak English to each other in a foreign country, and then they'll speak whatever their native language is in that foreign country to each other, and there's no consistency. So, I mean, if you're going to speak English, that's fine. We get it. 
then speak English the whole time. Or when you're speaking to a person who speaks English, speak English. And then when you're speaking to someone who speaks your language, speak your language. But yeah. they don't. They just do whatever they want, whenever they want, and there's no consistency. They're like, sometimes the dictator, when when we're following him, sometimes he's just speaking straight English to people who are from his country, like people in his in his like in his military, like his military officers. He's like speaking English to them. But then sometimes he'll like be speaking to like his aide, and he's like speaking something. I, I, don't, I don't even know what, what is. I don't even know what language it is. It might be like Arabic or something, but I don't know. it's supposed to be a vaguely Middle Eastern country, but they don't really specify. Which I almost feel like, you know, I get, I get like, okay, we're going to avoid like using an actual country to like avoid any friction, but it's like almost worse because they're just like stereotyping the whole region and they're like, it's just like, yeah. it's poorly, like it, it's, it's just like puts a poor image on that whole area. It's just, I don't know. It just feels, it feels really messy and like not well approached and not well thought out and a little bit racist. Like the whole time, everything feels a little bit racist too, man. I mean, like, well, even everyone just like, is just a cliche of their ethnicity. Right. Yeah. Even like, even Seven, the the sniper, the blackest sniper, he just he really feels like that that like really cliche token. Like we just needed we just needed to have a black guy in it, and like and he's you know just doing stuff that Michael Bay thinks is what a black guy is like. I guess I don't know. It's just it's just really confusing. And the same goes for the hispanic woman and the french woman they're they all just like are really really boiled down facsimiles yeah. of, they're so thin That's yeah big there's thing. just nothing happening i there. don't care about any of them and like it's an action movie so like it's kind of like you know there's some exceptions in an action movie right yeah. like action movies don't have to have like these deep character studies or anything like that but like just to have a character be nothing more than an ethnicity and like uh, like you know I climb buildings and that's my thing. I don't, it's just, it feels so stupid and just, it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't make sense. And like the characters like just don't matter. Like nothing they do matters and nothing like the, what they're doing doesn't, there's never any like tension or conflicts because you don't really care about the characters mm -hmm. and what they're doing doesn't really make sense. You're never really on board with what they're doing. And so when they, when they are put up against an obstacle, they like it doesn't matter and it also doesn't matter because that obstacle never actually inhibits them no. there's never a point at which they actually like fail to do something except i guess when dave franco died but like that 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 set a tone that didn't carry out for the rest yeah. of the movie okay so we get hector's backstory which is or sorry three the hispanic man or ethnic whatever he is and my biggest problem with that scene is he murders a man and then his daughter comes out in her pajamas and says, Daddy, I can't sleep. And it's midday. <laughs> they That's... do that actually a lot in this movie where like the time of day is just really inconsistent. Like sometimes yeah. it's like night and then it's day and then you're like, so, what's happening? But the problem there is then like he, we see his face and he looks awful because he orphaned this girl because she's like, I don't have a mommy. And he's like, oh my gosh, I orphaned a girl. And then the movie's for that split second, cares about human life. Right, yeah. So for about 10 seconds out of two hours and six minutes, we care about human life. The rest of the movie, we do not. We kill as many people as we can. It's just, it's yet another example of just like having no tone. You in can't, the movie. you can't do that. Like, I don't, how are you, you trying to make me feel bad now? Yeah. Like, no. Just like, what a movie. A movie in the first 20 minutes is is supposed to kind of like set its own rules you know what yeah. i mean which is why like 
something like something that's like hyper stylized like John Wick as an action movie works really well because it tells you what the rules are and it follows those rules for the rest of the movie it's very violent we don't like the characters don't need to have de- like an emotional depth of, like beyond it's a certain a dog, point that's all we it's need. about a dog and like it, the, the action is shot really well and edited really well which is a whole other thing we'll get and to I'm, I'll make more comparisons to John Wick later because I thought about this alright uh, and then we get the backstory of British British boy Skywalker he who runs around buildings. There is no backstory. It's uh, just that his he, backstory is that he was in Ukraine um, stealing some jewels. And then he like fricked up and, and got, they got hurt. Up and, and so Ryan Reynolds like threatens to murder him as a joke. And then makes him join his team. I don't understand his motivation as a character at all. I don't is, know if he what he was doing was illegal. I don't know if what he was doing was like a good guy thing or a bad guy thing. And they just depict Ukraine as a shithole, which every movie does. And that upsets me on a personal uh, level. I, I just, you know, I think that's why they didn't even bother having five or six or seven's backstory. Maybe because... they shot them and they were even less, like, even more pointless. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just I still want to know where this doctor woman's from and why she's there, because she doesn't do anything but walk around. That's what, when Michael Bay doesn't know what to do with characters, he just has them walk from one location to another, but neither of those locations are important. Yeah, and, like, them walking accomplishes nothing. Okay. It's just so, so we're getting to, there's three major set pieces left and so the first one is Vegas right where they go in right. dressed as tennis players there's the generals and they're all with a bunch of prostitutes again and the, another needlessly just like just, like let's just look at women in lingerie yeah, that's the purpose of the scene yeah it's just really frustrating honestly. so they go in there they murder them like just murder them like sorry I've said like so many times but just this is our first episode. Just we'll spilt it. their blood without any inhibitions. Yeah. Then French woman, Hispanic man, just immediately have sex. And it's weird sex. Can I just... Yeah. They start... They say weird things and they're trying to take their makeup off, but they're dressed as Borg versus McEnroe. And it's... And then we just get a, a shot of her lying in the bed in her underwear. And that's the point of the scene. It's just like... Like... It's so hey, Michael needless. Bay, if I want to look at women in lingerie, like, I can just Google that, right? Right. It's so, like, <laughs> it's like I don't need to watch your shitty two-hour movie to get that. Just, it, and, like, like even, even so, like, I just, like, it, it's such a long movie. Two hours is a long time for, a, like, a movie has to earn two hours, in my opinion. Like, if, you're, if your movie's longer than 90 minutes, you better, you better damn well earn that 90 minutes. And then he's just, like, adding on these needless things so that there's, like, just eye candy and, like, explosions and, like, lots of male Lens energy. And, and like, yeah, it's just it's Dutch angles and just... It's bad. I don't like it. He throws everything he has at you, but none of that is a story. Like, I wish... I wish that he had, like, tonal consistency because, like, I could see... I could see, like... I can see, like, his style working if it was consistent. I'm not saying I would like it. I'm not saying it would be good. But, like, I could see it, like, functioning if he decided that his style was just, like, lots of male energy and explosions and all that. But, like, he, he deviates from that so much. Like, again, like, the inconsistency in the violence, the inconsistency in, like, the backstories of the characters, the inconsistency in, like, the timelines, and then, like, we're deciding that, like, we care about women, then we don't... Then we're like doing these body shots. I just like there's there's too much inconsistency in his style, and I think that's really why this movie flops so hard. Is just like it doesn't know what it is. It doesn't ever decide what it is, and it keeps changing 
like it, it tries to make decisions on what it is, but that, that decision changes every 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay, so then the next big set piece, after they just like murder people in a hotel room and then immediately have sex, and like, shouldn't you leave? I just, I think you should leave and oh, have yeah. sex at There's a different like location. There's like dead bodies around. Yeah, you spilt a lot of right. blood. You need to have sex in a more cleanly environment. Then, the second one is Hong Kong. So that's where they go to Hong Kong to free the brother from this like skyscraper that the evil brother has put the good brother in, right? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, that actually makes a lot more sense because I didn't understand, like, they, so the so basically the dictator, the dictator is running this country. He's he's a dictator. He's running this country, and his brother is like for democracy. Yeah. But he, like I, I'm can I'm confused. That makes more sense that he was that he was like captured and and kept in the hung in the yeah. That's why there were those guards that were. Okay. And the dictator said, "Whatever happens to me is going to happen to you." So what, what I and thought all my generals are dead, and I think you're a part of it. What I thought was happening was that he didn't care. Because, like, the six, seven, six. There's six of them. There's six of them, but, but the, the, the one is seven, and there's no six anymore because Dave Franco died. So they, they, like, go in, and there's a pool, and they capture, they, they like, go to capture this guy. So the biggest problem I have with this movie, by far, is the action scenes. So I can't enjoy the action scenes because nothing makes sense. Things just happen. There's no... There's just no... There's no logical flow so, to it. the thing I don't like is this is a team movie, right? So there's six of them. They're supposed to have teams, and everyone's supposed to have assigned roles, but they don't because they just all do things. Yeah. If you watch Oceans, for example, everyone has an assigned role, and you know what it is, and you know why they're valuable, right. and you understand what they're doing. People just do things in this movie. like they sh Some people are shooting, and then other times they're not shooting, and sometimes Sniper Man is sniping. Other times he's not sniping when he could be sniping. It would be very useful for him to be sniping. Right. And then... Uh, parkour boy just parkours that's all he's he never actually accomplishes he parkours anything. over things for us uh, to watch that's yeah. it and just uh, i just can't there's no linear structure to those actually, action scenes i think i think that parkour boy is the best example of all the characters because like what he's doing on a like a moment to moment basis is first of all really it's really hard to follow because of the way it's shot and edited but that's like a whole other issue but like what he's doing never accomplishes anything so you you don't care you're not invested in it and like when it just it just makes your eyes glaze over when you're watching him because you're like oh that nothing's actually happening here i'm just watching him do cool shit like he's he's like backflipping over railings that are like two feet off the ground just like completely unnecessary stuff and again if like if he's stuck with that stylistic choice that it's just like stylized so it's just like a lot of stuff is happening that'd be one thing but like he keeps switching back and forth between this like hyper stylized thing and then it's realistic and then it's stylized again and then yeah. it's like trying to be like grungy and realistic again and it's just like it's too it's too many different tones too many different perspectives that's at a, one time the big thing is when they have a fight scene like that and there's like six characters and they're all doing different things. I do not understand the geography of the the setting at all. Right. So I don't know where anyone is. Like if in John Wick, he'll when we watch an action scene, he'll go from one place to another, but it makes sense there's a progression and he's constantly fighting bad guys. Which in this is... movie, there's bad people everywhere and none of them ever pose a threat because they always point their guns at the main characters and then they do karate and shoot them before they can pull the trigger. And I don't know if you know this, but 
if I have a gun pointing at you, I can pull the trigger the second you move whatsoever. Yeah. And there's eight of us, and we all have semi-automatic weapons. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it just makes all the action... So like it's weightless. So we're we're talking about all this stuff, right? So there's different elements to this movie. There's there's the action sequences, then there's kind of these like weird emotional backstories, and then there's like all of like the weird stuff sprinkled in between, like all of his weird like sexual fantasies that he that he wanted to throw into this movie. Yeah. But like so what's what's left is like, okay, so Michael Bay is known for making action movies. So like the one redeeming factor of this movie should be the action, right? Yeah. But the the problem is that like when we get to the action, and this is the difference between John Wick's like the kind of action that John Wick has and the kind of action that most Michael Bay movies that I've seen at least have yeah. is is actually the way that it's shot and edited is like just incredibly nonsensical and very hard to follow. Like there's no real it kind of just feels like none of it's planned like they kind of just like they they know that they want to have set pieces so they they're just kind of throwing the camera around and then they take as many shots as they can and they splice them together and but there's no like the audience is i mean we as the audience at least and i i feel like i feel like in general this is how the audience feels there's just no there's no orientation like you, you like you never know where you are, you never know where a character is, and it's made so much worse by like you don't know why a character is doing what they're doing, even on a really surfacey level. Like, okay, so if 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 Skywalker, this dude who's like doing flips and he's like his whole character is parkour, if like we knew that he was like going after some really stupid plot thing, like it was like oh I need to go get this, I need to go get this flash drive that yeah. has this like code on it, and like it, it's totally shallow and pointless. But at least we know like when we're watching him, what his what's goal? his goal? You know? Yeah. So they don't tell us what everyone's supposed to do in a scene, in these action scenes, but they ultimately all go in and start shooting. That's what they do. Right. So no one's. Yeah, they don't have assigned roles. Right. And Sniper Boy just snipes from a crane, but he doesn't snipe for the rest of the movie. Right, just in this one scene. And so, like, again, if we if they picked stylistically, like, okay, the character's going to stick to this one thing because that's a stylistic choice, yeah. then that would be one thing. But, like, they're, like, he's picking, he's just choosing to, like, not have consistency in that way. So we're we're so con- we're so disoriented from set piece to set piece because we there's two other set pieces after this. Yeah. There's like this big yacht scene that we're getting to, but like, like if the characters did the same, like at least similar things from set piece to set piece, at least the action would be a little bit like sensical. We could like follow what the motivation of each character is, like what's the goal. So like if if sniper characters sniped in every scene. We know that his kind of whole thing is like he's doing Overwatch, you know, he's like he's like watching the guys from a distance and he's like covering everybody as they're going in. And so like when we're when we cut to him and we see his face, we're we're told from the beginning, like, okay, this is what I'm expecting of this character. And you can play with that. Like you could break the expectation or you could follow the expectation or you can like cause a twist to happen there. That's I mean that's that's what good writing would be, or at least like at least like competent writing would be yeah. that. But then the f- also accompanied with like actual action choreography right of course yeah like all the stuff that would help make that better like decent shooting and like planned out choreography and that kind of thing but like orienting the audience to where locations are where characters are where they're going yeah where the villains are like who actually poses a threat yeah when when we get down to it there's just stuff happens and you can't comprehend what is happening right yeah it's it's kind of the lowest form of action because like 
you know, it's, action doesn't have to be like this emotionally deep and impactful thing. Like I can enjoy but an you action still movie. Still tell a story through the action. Right. Yeah. That's the whole point of Mad Max. Right. Is it's like action storytelling. Right. But this is just action. But not even that. It's just violence. Right. It's just it's just violence. Right. There's yeah. no like. In, Action. three second clips of violence cut together. I mean, that that's honestly the cardinal sin of, of Michael Bay movies and this movie specifically, is the editing is just like, like it, I, I guarantee that if like you sat down, I again, I, I brought this up yesterday. I always forget the name of um, Martin Scorsese's editor. I'll look her up. If you gave her, her like just all of the raw footage, I'm not saying that she could make, like, a five-star movie out of that stuff, but I guarantee she could at least make the movie, like, kind of make sense from a moment-to-moment standpoint. I don't know, like, who the editors are. I'm not just, like, trying to needlessly shit on them for no reason. But, like, there's just, like, no... There's no thought put into, like, how is the audience going to experience this shot when it happens? But that's my point, is that I don't think if you gave her the the footage it would work because I don't think Michael Bay is shooting for the edit and I think he just his his idea of the edit is you cut really quickly so you don't have to think about it so he just shoots action stuff and worries about it later and maybe he does think about this and he has a I, I just I don't think he worries about it I yeah I I don't know it, it what it what it makes me feel is that like Michael Bay is just there to have a good old Michael Bay time and he, he doesn't just, give a fuck about his audience so like when I'm watching the movie I feel I really do feel like you're disrespectful I'm not like my time here like I'm I'm here to watch your movie and assuming that I'm gonna finish your movie I'm gonna sit here for two hours and I'm gonna watch your thing and like okay like I get that like okay there's artistic vision and like we want to respect the artist and like the artist is not a slave to the audience but at some point, especially movies that are, like, so dependent on the audience, like, you have to respect your audience enough to at least, like, get them in on what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, what you're watching is just, it's just violent clips There's that have no, there's no through line. They're not strung together in any way. It's just like, okay here's three seconds of this cool thing happening and then there's three seconds of this cool thing happening and three seconds of this cool thing happening, which, like, you know... Maybe if you were just, like, trying to watch a compilation of some dude doing parkour, like, you can YouTube that and watch that for five minutes, but two hours of just, like, explosion and dude doing parkour and then just, like, women wearing no clothing and then, like, Mike, Mike or, or Ryan Reynolds is just, like, walking back and forth with a walkie-talkie and a vest and doing this, nothing. The whole Hong Kong scene is Mike, like, Ryan Reynolds walks from one place to another, but I don't know where he's walking from or to, but he's always on the walkie and the problem, the big problem with this scene as well is everyone the whole time is quoting movies, but very poorly. Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, okay, this is, oh man, this this really fired me up. Just like, it, it really feels like whoever, whoever ended up writing the dialogue that landed the movie. I don't know if like, I don't know if uh, Michael Bay like took dialogue out and added his own in or if the writers did, but like, man, just for like a solid... 15 or 20 minutes the dialogue was just movie quotes and they like pointed it out they were like oh this is a movie quote and he's like oh another movie quote oh more movie quotes and it's just all that says to me is that you don't know how to write your own dialogue so you just have to take some of the best dialogue ever written and put it in your movie so that you feel like you have good dialogue and that's just like i just it feels so disrespectful man like 
like there's all these movies that you're referencing and I, I know that like most of the time when you put a reference in like that you're trying to like pay homage and be like look I like I, I know this thing and I'm, I'm inspired by it and I love it and I want to I want to do right by it but it feels so disrespectful man just like there's a couple Martin Scorsese movies in there dude that dude deserves so much better than to be quoted in this movie it's just it's just, it's like oh it makes me cringe I like I feel for Scorsese and I feel for like even the actors who like probably didn't really like know what to do with this these lines at this point they just have to say this stuff you know what I mean and I, I, I like I really got the feeling at this point that Ryan Reynolds specifically was just not into this movie I don't he, he did not look very into it he, but I'm sure he was into the massive paycheck that Netflix gave him. I'm sure. But which yeah. is interesting that you talk about Martin Scorsese because he's the only person. Martin Scorsese and Michael Bay have made the two most expensive Netflix movies ever made. I mean, it's it's very like go watch the Irishman. You know, spread man. that money like, out, I guess. Netflix, just give it to uh, anyone. I mean, I get that there's an audience that like all they want to see is just like some cool action. But, like, the audience deserves better than action that means nothing and doesn't... It has no through line. At least, like, you know, do something that's going to have, like, at least a moment-by-moment sensical progression. Like, we don't... It, it just feels so disrespectful. It, like, it feels like the audience is too dumb, so and it doesn't matter. They just want to see explosions. But, like... I don't know, even even an audience member that's not necessarily, like, going to a movie to have an emotional experience, they just want to, like, shut off and watch some cool cars driving and some explosions and all that, like, that's fine, but I, I feel like the audience deserves better than just, like, again, like, the three seconds of just random stuff that doesn't matter and doesn't mean anything, doesn't connect to anything else, it's just, I don't know, I've spoken plenty about it now, I guess. Okay, so... The big thing at the end of this that's supposed to matter, at the end of the scene, Parkour Boy is trapped, and Snipey Boy wants to save him. Snipey Boy. Ryan Reynolds says no. Which means Ryan Reynolds is going against his own word and not letting him shoot whoever he wants to shoot. Which is inconsistent to the character and to the like the, the very little through line this movie yeah, has. Yeah, I mean, it just... So, obviously, there's conflict between Snipey Boy and Ryan Reynolds. Uh... They do end up saving uh, Parker Boy. But then, obviously, uh, Sniper Boy is pretty pissed off because that was his one stipulation is that he could always take the shot. Now, does this matter at any point later in this film? No. This conflict means nothing and was pointless and was a waste of everyone's time because th- it doesn't go anywhere. There's no, like, the, the, it doesn't land It's anywhere. resolved immediately. They just say, okay, and they ignore it. Which is the same as every other every other obstacle that comes up in the movie. Okay. But in this action scene that we've been talking about for too long, they abduct or rescue, however you want to say it, um, dictator's brother who's a nice person. Then we get to the last action set piece. There's lots of filler and things that happen, but it all means absolutely nothing. So we get the last action set piece, which is in Turgistan. And the first part of this plan is they hijack the like state-run police no state-run uh tv station and they broadcast um there's like a whole supposedly comedic scenario and how they got like the control of that where there's like accents it's bad i just want to insert here it's thelma schumacher i think that's how you say her name 
she's the editor that Scorsese mm-hmm. has used many times. She's yeah, she's great. She's, she did The Irishman. She's, she's great. I just wanted Oscars. to I want to shout out to her for being an amazing editor, and um, we love her. Thank yeah. you, Thelma. You're we, you're the best. We love you, uh, and we would like to be your children. Yeah, please teach us teach us in the ways of the edit. We would love that more than anything. Please, please. Okay, back to Six Underground, the major motion picture. Do we have to go back? Can we just talk? We're about we're almost done with this movie. I know it's rough. We I got we got a few more things to talk about. The final scene, they hijack the TV of Turgistan. They broadcast brother with this message where he's like, "We good should brother, democratic brother." Yes, good brother. And good brother's like, "We're gonna take back this country and make it a democracy." Immediately, everyone is in the streets partying and protesting at the same time Mm -hmm. which usually when people protest they're angry but these people are celebrating while protesting i yeah i don't know all have these signs and banners that they made in a three minute period yeah like this is according to the timeline of the movie which honestly at this point we should be trusting i don't think it has a timeline there's no timeline. i think this movie takes place over a 75 year period that would make so much more sense and everyone in the movie is figment of my own imagination. This movie can't be real, honestly. Like, I, I, I almost feel like if we go on Netflix right now, it's just not going to be there. I, th- I think it's true, but we did look at its Wikipedia page earlier. I mean, I, I edited it, so, like, there's nothing guaranteeing me that you didn't just write that whole Wikipedia I'm going to go delete that Wikipedia page. Oh, okay. For the betterment of mankind. Then, so they start shooting and blowing stuff up as they do this, like, the Six Underground um then right this is so hard to explain they everyone ends up on a boat okay and then the rest of the movie takes place on this boat uh which is like the presidential yacht and there's lots of shooting and smashing and incoherent action and there's a guy who scuba dives to the boat and the other people just drive up to the boat on another boat this is another example of like the editing and the like, the placement is just very disorienting. It's really painful for my brain. Honestly, so we so we've covered all that. The we, the important part that we need to talk about is the magnets. Yes, the magnets. So they're on the boat, right? And Ryan Reynolds as on his phone with his magic like technology is able to turn the magnets to one side of the boat so everything metal just flies across the boat to one side everybody's conveniently yeah. wearing something metal wearing... enough to like lift them six yeah. feet off the ground Everyone's and stick guns. to the side of the boat it's, the good guys though they're smart they have like styrofoam weapons or something i don't their guns are made out of like <laughs> plastic like, and like, ceramic plastic and ceramic and like if any of you know anything about guns Please tell us if a ceramic gun would work. I'd like to know. That'd be kind of cool, honestly. I okay. One thing I thought about though, like maybe I just maybe I just don't understand how magnets work. But like, wouldn't bullets be magnetic? Like, wouldn't wouldn't like the guns be ripped out of their hands by like the bullets in the gun? Do they have like plastic ceramic bullets? I mean, I know I'm trying they to must. Make, I know I'm trying to make sense of this movie. They're all wearing <laughs> no like point, anti-magneto but... outfits. I think that's yeah. the idea. Um, but then he's able to, on his phone, like switch it so everything magnetic flies to the other side of the ship, which is super useful because everyone's flying everywhere. Um, he does this like three or four times. Then the rest of the action sequence happens where everyone's getting punched and shot, and he just doesn't use it anymore. Yeah. I mean, even though it I mean, was super effective the first time. Like literally, if you if he had just left it on the first time he used it, and everyone was just stuck to the side of the boat, the whole movie would have ended right there. Yeah. There's like nothing else that needs to happen. Everyone's just stuck. They could have just walked into the dictator's 
little like rot uh, yacht stateroom and just like grab him off the wall and be like, okay, bud, we're gonna throw you to the wolves now. But no, they had to have this whole extra action sequence, which like. Man, again, I know we're trying to make sense of this completely nonsensical movie at this point, but like... And we probably sound extremely incoherent at this point. If they haven't seen this movie, we sound like we're I pr- just... I promise you, this is as good of like an explanation of the plot of this movie as you're going to get. Like, it's just... That's how confusing this movie is. So, the movie ends in, like, there's this whole firefight, and it's nighttime on the boat now for some reason. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, like, five seconds ago. And... You know, like, so we, like, they kind of make you think that the dictator has escaped on this helicopter, but then it turns out the helicopter is, like, piloted by... Yeah, so that's the thing, is this helicopter flies up, rescues presidential boy, the bad dictator. The dictator boy. But then they're flying away in the helicopter, it's almost the end of the movie, and everyone in the helicopter takes off their masks, and it's the whole team. Who were just on the boat like literally twenty seconds ago? They 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 magically teleport. It doesn't like they're they they show the helicopter coming from away from the yacht. I don't understand it, but I don't think we're supposed to because I don't think anyone thought it through. And then the final like death blow to this movie is like this whole time the whole point of them doing this was to create a democracy, but then they literally fly close to one of the rioting mobs and throw the dictator to him like no. No trial, no nothing. They're just like, let him let him be killed by all these, like, raging people. We don't need to get political, but I just don't believe that if a country is bad, let's say North Korea, you kill Kim Jong-un, and then you just put a nice person in his place that North Korea is fixed. It's just, that's not how, and, and again, we're trying to make sense of this completely dumb yeah. movie. But, like, I want to a one courtroom thing, drama. You want a what? I want a courtroom drama from Michael Bay. Would... Like, where would the explosions go? That's the point, dude. He would have to, he would use, have he would to. Have to use words as explosions. I'm curious now. I want to know. I'll pitch it to him later this okay. week. Basically, the movie has established that it, it, the one thing that it's kind of hung on to, and this is... This is like kind of Michael Bay's thing. He like he like gets off to the to the United States flag kind oh, yeah. of thing. He's super pro military. So pro, pro like, like yeah. flags. Big guns, big big muscles, like Bud big Light. military <laughs> America, the whole thing. So like the one thing that that movie has held on to, and the only consistency the movie's had up to this point, is that they're trying to instill democracy. And like, you know, sure, we can get behind that, right? That I mean that's that's something that like that most American viewers can get behind, which is where I'm assuming they wanted this movie to be viewed the most. Um, so, but then like they completely undermined the last consistency they have in this movie by just throwing this guy to to like to die. Like there was, there was no, there's no redeeming factor. They were, they were not, there was no like, okay, like we're bad guys, but we're good bad guys. You know what I mean? Where we're, we're, where we're trying to just do what's best, but we're just rogues. So we're like, and they literally just like his brother betrays him. They throw him to a raging mob and they rip him apart. They kill him, assuming like presumably. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. Then the rest of it is just like them holding guns and wearing tactical vests and walking away from the camera. But you're forgetting a big part of this. Ryan Reynolds goes back to France. Right. He sees the sexy lady he banged in that weird hall room. Who's maybe his wife, maybe? He did talk about, like, family that he had at yeah. one point. I and don't then know. It doesn't matter. She, like, walks up to a park and her child's in the park. Or was it a daycare? I was confused. I thought the child was unattended and that was really, really worrying me. I don't know. 
it was just very obvious that that child's supposed to be Ryan Reynolds' child. Right. Why? Yeah. What is what is that supposed to tell me? And and like Ryan Reynolds is like looking longingly at this child, like as if he wanted to like have a family all along. But like he made the decision to do this, so it's just like it's. But then it cuts back to him in his airplane in the desert, and he like locks the picture in a cabinet, and then walks like dramatically with aviators on. Again, just like the two like. Like the one, maybe two things that this movie held on to from beginning to end, just one two punch knocked out in like the last ten or like five or ten minutes, and then there's a there's a super weird cut. I'm actually gonna look up the time code real quick so that I could like anyone who's listening can like go and just see this cut if they don't want to see the whole movie. But there's this one cut in the movie that I think just it tells you everything that you need to know about the way this movie is edited, the way this movie was produced, and basically like Ryan Reynolds is just walking towards the camera and then it, there's like a quick fade to black that lasts like less than 10 sec, like less than a second yeah. honestly it's so like fade to black and then it fades back into the same shot just at a different period Ick. it's just such a weird weird editing thing it's and not good you'll see you'll I'm see what i'm talking editor. about if you're if you're curious good. um it's just oh, man i don't understand how a prof i don't understand how a professional editor like allows that shot to happen probably doesn't right it's probably like a producer or director thing they're just trying to like michael bay was like oh just just cut out this little part and then the editor was like okay you know my theory is that the movie had a ton of fat and they were just trying to cut as much of it away and they just did not it's way too long as yeah, it is right it's now it's so long actually and there's so our... many scenes that could cut and we wouldn't care mm-hmm. yeah our, our roommate colin actually made a really good point that like he thought when we showed we showed him these two shots and he he thought that shout out to Colin by the way mm-hmm. he yes. thought that like maybe what happened was that like they needed to like have like get rid of some dialogue in some places and the only way they could do it was just cut the middle of the shot out and like like paste those two ends together and then they decided like okay the only way this is going to work is if it's like a stylistic choice or yeah. it seems that way so they went and did that to a bunch of other shots okay the time code is Two hours, five minutes, and 15 seconds. It's literally the very end of the movie. And there's just this weird cut. I just don't even know how else to explain it. Yeah, it's really hard to describe. You just have to watch it. Just go watch it. Um, Okay. Man, I think that's... I think that's about all the grievance I can handle with this. That that was an hour, wasn't it? Dude, we talked about that for an hour. I know, we're really good at this. Man. So, there's a few more steps we have to do before we end this podcast. And the first is we both have to rate this movie... And we need to pick a... We haven't talked about this, but we need to pick a scale on which we rate movies because stars are stupid. Like, how are we going to rate this movie? So, I I have my... So, we both use Letterboxd, which yeah. is this amazing social media app that's, like, pretty exclusively dedicated to movies. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's great. It's super I great. I, I love it. I use it every day. Uh, yeah, I use it all the time. I got the pro version, and I love it. Yeah, I wish I was wealthy enough to get the pro version. I mean... Maybe one day you'll feel the kindness in your heart to buy from me. I mean, if we're going to be doing this, it actually might be a worthy investment, genuinely. Honestly. Um, So, but the system, the star system, I've seen some people, like, move away from stars entirely. Yeah. I like the star system for me because it helps me understand, like, where on a scale, like, something falls. So I I can, like, take something, like, underground and be like, okay, last week we watched There Will Be Blood. And this is how much more I liked There Will Be Blood, or how much better I thought There Will Be Blood was. I just was. don't think it's it's. I think it's 
immoral to speak of these movies in the same. Yeah, you're right. I'm so sorry. Same, uh, I'm sorry that we mentioned Thelma in this in this podcast yeah, alongside. You deserve the rest of this. to be like spoken about in New York's Time podcast. And yeah, things like seriously, that. not our podcast. Oh my god. Um, so my my five star rating, including half stars, goes as follows: five stars is perfect. Four and a half is excellent. Four is great. Three and a half is good. Three is okay. Two and a half is fine. Two is eh. One and a half is bad. One is yikes. And two and and point five is just no. Okay. That's so, how I I rate my movies. And I agree with the way we need to have a different vocabulary. Okay. So stars is inherently a good thing. When you see a star, it's a positive. Right. What's yeah. the opposite of a star? A darkness. A supernova? Dude, no. Yeah. Supernovas are awesome. We are going to rate this movie on a scale of one to five supernovas. How bad it is? Yes. Okay, 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 okay. Man. I mean, if we're inverting my star rating to a supernova, like if I was transitioning, that'd make it like a four supernova four supernovas that's how bad this movie was and i will give it four and a half supernovas it's not the worst it, we've we've taken a large uh dump on this film for like an hour but i don't think it's the worst movie that could have been made i i like the thing is like i wasn't I wasn't bored until like an hour in. Like I've watched. I didn't have movies... time to be bored because I was trying to follow the plot right, so yeah. hard because like, I wanted to understand it. Like in my opinion, the worst thing that a movie can do is just be boring. At least like I'm feeling like fired up about how bad this movie is. Yeah, it elicited emotion. Right. Yeah. Something. Not the emotion desire. Right, yeah. But... Akira Sawa. I'm about to quote Akira Sawa. Does that make me an asshole? It does, but I would like to hear it. Akira Sawa used to say something along the lines of like. I'd rather somebody hate my movie than feel nothing or exactly. something like that. Or be like, I'd rather someone love or hate my movie than feel in the middle or lukewarm or just something like that. Something along those lines. I'll find that quote later and we'll fix it. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, he's talking about Akira Kurosawa, the legendary Japanese filmmaker who yeah. directed Seven Samurai and Rashomon and just Ran, among many others. Many, many, many others. fantastic films that yeah. I recommend to everybody He's very good. Watch we will not be watching any of his films for this podcast. I mean, maybe we can have a segment where we watch good movies each week later yeah, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it um but yeah like man at least this movie made me angry about how bad it was yeah. i've seen movies that we, are, we talked about it for a straight hour yeah we weren't bored yeah we were angry yeah definitely i don't i did not enjoy this movie whatsoever yeah. but i did it did elicit something from me i've watched movies that are longer than this movie and i've like just had no opinion on the movie at all it was just like this movie i don't care Nothing about this movie makes sense or matters in any way. So, like, at least, like, there's that. That's why I'm not going the full five. But, you know, that's that's where I land on this movie. Um, I think we'll link both of our letterbox pages, and maybe we'll, we'll both write a thing or two about the movies that we do as well and, yeah, we and add a link to this in our letterbox. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. All right. So the only thing left to do... Actually, there's two things we're going to do uh, okay. before we end. We're both going to recommend a movie that we like. Oh, okay. We've seen. I love that. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, it can be a movie you've seen recently or whenever. Okay. And then we are going to announce next week's movie. Okay. Which I have picked out for us. Okay. We'll alternate back and forth one week. I'll pick Copy, copy. Sounds And if great. you have any recommendations for movies just watch that are bad, please tell us. 
Yeah. Um, make sure that they're free to stream on like Netflix or Prime because we don't have we're, that yeah, much money. Yeah, we're not super wealthy right now. Uh, oh, also, like, you know, we're new at this. Podcast isn't something yeah, we've done give before. Give us criticism. Please tell us, like, how can we improve these episodes? Like, we didn't plan this very much. Yeah, this we was had, very like, poorly this structured. This was just so poorly structured. It's the first time we've done this. So, if you, like, if there's any thoughts or, like, if you're like, hey, maybe do less of this or more of this, like, just let us know in the comments um, of either the review on Letterboxd or wherever you're listening to your podcast. We're going to try and upload this to Spotify and the and Apple's podcast app. Yeah, or we'll so just, just wherever, wherever, podcast, wherever you're listening know. to your podcast, um, just leave, drop us a comment let us know what how we can improve this, what kind of movies you'd like to see us review in the future. Remember the point of this is we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to be like somewhat educational on like why a movie is not good. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not just the the it's not just needless like let's just shit on movies because we can. No, and I for me I like watching movies that are least considered bad by most people just cuz it gives you a little more context right, yeah. for the great stuff that we, we watch good movies all the time, and you can get a little numb to it. Yeah. And to watch some of the edits in this movie, it just, it's like, they're good. There are people who can do this really yeah. well out there. Yeah. And, and that's that's a great segue, actually, into the last couple things that we have to do here. Yes. So I am going to recommend There Will Be Blood, because I watched it for the first time only, like, two or three days ago. I'm a big fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. I love his work. It's very dense. And it's just, man, it takes me days to wrap my mind around everything that he's got going on in his movies. But if you're a movie fan and you haven't seen There Will Be Blood, it's it's just a must. The performances are great. The direction oh, yeah. is great. The editing and the shooting is oh, so good. There's some, there's some just excellent writing there's some lines that we just can't stop quoting to each other <laughs> i provide straw in your milkshake um and yeah so so yeah um if you if you've chosen to watch that movie anytime in the future because of this recommendation drop us a comment or a link to your letterbox review Please i'd love do. to hear what you guys think about those movies oh, yes. i would love that and um, caleb's and movie. my recommendation is a movie that we watched like two weeks ago but it honestly has been sticking with my in my mind a lot more than anything else we've seen, and that's Meek's Cutoff. Ooh, man! Which is directed so by Kelly Reichard. Yeah. And I'd never seen your movies, but I wanted to see First Cow, which is coming out. So I watched. We watched it, mm-hmm. and it is so good. It is, it's, it's so hard to describe. It's so tense. It's like a western, but it's not like yeehaw western. You know, it's on the Oregon Trail. It's yeah. about these settlers moving west, and. It's a, it has a lot to say about the differences between men and women mm-hmm. and just the hierarchy of society. And there's a lot of tension between who you trust and why you trust people. It's starring Michelle Williams mm-hmm. and Scott Paul Dano and Bruce, Green, Bruce Greenwood. Who's and great in it, by the way. It's just so good. Just everyone is great in that movie. Uh, and I loved it. It's very simple. I want people to watch it because yeah. I had never heard of Kelly Reichert before. Uh, for hearing about First Cow, so definitely go watch that. It is great, mm-hmm. and we're definitely going to watch more of her movies. Yeah, I really, really hope That's... to see First Cow as soon as possible. Exactly. And anything else that she's done after yeah. seeing this movie. So, I, yeah, very slow highly, and meditative yes. if you're into that. It's slow. Not everyone's going to like it. It's because yeah. a lot of people aren't into the slow kind of just methodical. Yeah, it's not meandering. It's just, no. it's just, it's got its own pace. Everything in it, it demands that you follow that purposeful. Pace. Yeah, uh-huh. means something, and there's something there. Uh, I don't sound eloquent when I'm talking about it, but it's great. Yeah, please 
give right. it a watch if you get the opportunity. It's it's streaming somewhere, isn't it's it? It's on. It's on. We Prime. watched on Prime. Yeah. It's so it's great. it's free. It costs you Ignore the crappy posters on Prime. I don't know why, but yeah, Amazon dude. Prime. Their posters. They, are they ass, choose dude. the worst the posters. The worst posters. And sometimes they, I swear, they make their own, and they're always horrid. So bad, man. They're terrible. Like, you can never just look at movies and be like, oh, this looks good, because it, they all look terrible. I promise we're not sponsored by Letterboxd, but if you're looking for the best posters of yeah, movies, Letterboxd. look at Letterboxd's Letterboxd posters. Chooses, and they, they always, choose the best ones. I love that they choose posters that are super clean, and they always take off any extra text. Yeah. Mm. And what is the thing at the bottom? I don't remember what the, that's called. The mar- marquee? Like, like, there's, like, know. a word for all those words at the bottom. It's like, directed right. Those yeah. all people are important. Yeah. All right. We're here at the end. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what movie we're going to watch next, next week. week. This is a 2011 I don't know what movie this film. is going to be, by the way. So He doesn't this know. This is a live reaction. This is a 2011 fantasy film oh, starring Nicolas Cage called Season of the Witch. Dude, I'm so hype. Uh, you will all learned very quickly that Nicolas Cage is my love. And uh, it's about a 14th century crusader who I'm returns. So in. To his homeland, devastated by the Black Plague. So I didn't know that. I just I literally did That's not know the synopsis. I, I just read know it. That. Um, I've heard of this movie, but I didn't know the plot whatsoever. I just knew Nicolas Cage had a sword and wore uh, black things. And I'm I'm very excited for this, especially because I want to hear his accent. Oh, it's uh, gonna be so bad. And this is another thing I think we should point out is that most of the time we're gonna be watching movies we haven't seen before. So maybe we'll watch something that isn't that bad. Yeah, we might. And we'll talk about it here. We're not just going to watch Suicide Squad every week. So, like, who knows? Seriously, We might watch something everyone hates and we think it's good. So, I mean, there's also so many examples of movies that, like, are objectively bad that I still just enjoyed watching. And Underground is not an example. And hopefully we'll be able to find some redeeming factors in these movies. Yeah. There wasn't much in Underground. Yeah, sorry. I tried. Like, all respect to, like, the craft services people. I'm sure they did a great job, but... They fed everything those else, well, everything else is bad. Sure, yeah. The transportation did a great job. They went yeah. everywhere in the world. I respect you, Transpo. You people produced the Helen Keller out of that movie, and I respect you. But uh, that's it. That's all we got. That's the podcast, guys. This has been Bottom of Bin with Caleb and, and Tony. You're going by Tony now. I don't know, man. I just, Anthony's such a mouthful. You know. See you I next like week. My name, We're but, done. Uh, anyway.